with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Well, good evening, everyone. Good afternoon. Good good tagging, whatever. Uh, welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and you are not. With me, my co-host, the gold standard in ghost hunting and celebrity Abelfon, is the gold standard himself, Steve Parson. Good afternoon, evening, morning, Belcommon. You're up and quiet, Steve. Sorry. I'll speak loud. There, there I am. There you go. Yeah. Just saving my voice. Mm, yeah, we, we, we don't want to miss any of your voice, really. People have told me that so many times. They just love to hear your voice. No, so, apparently it's, um, what was it, a dollar every time I interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on TojiNet. But you can also pick it up on Apple Music, Podtail, Player FM, Podcast App, Audible UK, Paralana Paranormal, Audacity, and many others, including soon to be heard FM. So, and coming this June. So, there you go. No excuses. No excuses. No excuses whatsoever. Our regularly scheduled ghosts, uh, Graham, what the heck his name was, uh, is uh, one of your countrymen. Um, unfortunately, having internet problems over there. So, uh, he had to reschedule. Yeah. It might be endemic here today. I don't know whether it's the, the summer weather, but uh, yeah, I've been having email problems all day. Really? Huh. That's strange. I know you've been up to some stuff. Really. I've seen some some photographs that were uh, posted on one of your social. Ah, they just teased, just teased just network teased. page. But I did see some of those. But uh, I had a couple of questions because uh, lately yeah. I've been doing a lot of reading i know that's that i mean that in itself is paranormal i know yeah i know it I, yeah well you know as it comes to the end of your life you know you, you just uh, do anything but uh, i i noticed that wales has uh, its share of uh, activity i would say there's more than it's fair, more than its fair share of activity hmm. um, so ask you in, a all, in all categories yeah, so oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring some of these up and maybe okay. you can comment them on, and and we're gonna go into uh, our other topic as well that that you brought up. So, anyways, uh, this is one I know that you brought up before, but I found it interesting. It, it was Elo Castle. The custodian has seen a singing ghost several times there. Okay, what which castle? Uh. Elo, E-W-L-O-E. Elo. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not Wales. <laughs> I'm a freaking American, all right? <laughs> all right. Lucky I get the English language out. Never Elo. mind the Welsh. Elo, Elo Castle, which is situated in North Wales, uh, on the very close to the English border, um, just geographically, um, on the mm-hmm. banks of the River Dee. 
and about well, less than 10 miles from where I was born and lived for most of my life. Oh, wow. A place I know relatively well. So I, are, you, are you aware of this story? Yeah, I mean, Yulo is, actually, there's not much of a castle at Yulo. Um, a lot of... Um, there are ruins. <laughs> well, there are, the, most of them are in ruins, but some of them were more ruined than others. And, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, this was one of them. Uh, basically, it's a, a, a few um, walls, not very tall, mm-hmm. uh, and a large area of grass in the middle now. Mm-hmm. Stunning views across the River Dee, though. Or at least it was until they built a giant power station nearby. <laughs> well, then it's stunning views of the giant power station. Yeah, I mean, historically, the castle's interesting. It, you know, it, it played a pivotal role in many of our... Um, many of the, the sort of fights between England and Wales down in the medieval period um, and does have several reputed ghosts, none of which I am overly familiar with, simply because the castle situation is such that it was never never really one uh, that we bothered to investigate. Oh, okay. Um a lot of there isn't a, there isn't a British castle that doesn't have a ghost. I know um, this one. This one was different though because it was singing. That I, that, that was intriguing. Yeah. Well, you know, we that one sings um, down here in Pembrokeshire. We've got a the ghost of a monkey. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not all headless. You know, um, white mm-hmm. ladies. Um, but you're absolutely right. Yulo does have one of, I can only think of a couple of other singing ghosts. Although whether it's the ghost that sings or whether, you know, whether it's... Um, it seems to only occur during thunderstorms. Well, I think I think what we're dealing with in reality, and one of the, one of the things that was something that was on the to-do list, when we run out of everything else on the to-do list, was to go and take a look at Yulo, um, mm-hmm. to test the idea that what we were dealing with was actually uh, an acoustic phenomena yeah. derived from the weather. Whether You see, in, in Britain, and particularly the northwest of Britain, the wind predominantly always blows from the west stroke northwest. Mm-hmm. However, uh, in the summer months, such as now, we get periods where a high pressure, uh, an area of high pressure, uh, an anticyclone, sort of sits um, over us or, you know, more a little bit towards Europe and causes the winds to come from the east. Now, when that happens, we have a very strong increase in the number of thunderstorms now they only occur on probably 50 50 days a year in the northwest of england um and if the ghost and that's what gave us the idea the fact that the singing ghost of eulo is so closely associated with thunder thunderstorm activity right thunderstorm activity is very closely associated with an easterly wind and we always wondered whether if the wind blows from a certain direction, does it blow through a gap in the stone or gaps in the stones or 
such like. Um, and incidentally, it hasn't been reported for about uh, 20, 30 years or more. Um, and the date of the, the cessation of the singing um, closely correlates to when um, CADU, or the Welsh Heritage Organisation, uh, fixed the walls. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just mortared up the hole. We don't know. Well, it's ne- I've, I've never, never actually. I've visited the castle on a number of occasions. Sorry, the cats singing in the background. Um, but we've never tested and we've never investigated. Yeah, it said it's, it happened on several occasions. It, it, went, it came from one of the particular towers that was there. There's also a little side note too, where it says uh, the, the custodian, uh, which they don't give his name, by the way. Uh, seeing the ghosts which passed through a hedge. Uh, so he had a visual presence. Uh, the presence of this ghost was so frightening. A dog, uh, a dog died two days later with no, uh, you know, brought to the vet, no, no, unable to trace the cause of the death other than severe shock. That's severe. Uh, There'll be a cat joining that dog in a minute. We've got, <laughs> we can't hear him, so don't worry about it. You can't. Oh, no, no, he's, no. Oliver, he's, he, he's got a touch of Siamese in him, and he's very talkative. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And Stella um, isn't, and she's gone hiding. She's she's taken herself off to sleep somewhere out of sight, and he's calling for her, trying to find her. Huh. So um, if you hear cat meowing, it's not electronic voices or ghosts. You never know. Well, I'll accept that. Going back to Yulo and the sighting yes. by the custodian, yes. um, yep. the castle is built, as I said before, right on the banks of the River Dee. And it's an area mm-hmm. that's popular with walkers and fishermen. Um, so you do get fishermen walking along the path, which runs mm-hmm. adjacent to the castle. Um, you know, by you know what fishermen are like. They go out morning, noon, night, day. Yeah. You know, middle of the night. Um, crazy, stupid hobby. Sorry, fishermen. Um, so it could be. You know, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. But it does have. You know, it does have some well-established ghost stories. It's in all the ghost gazetteers. Mm-hmm. So um, oh. you know. Yeah, I mean, the audible is, which is an interesting phenomenon because that's something that you can actually do some, uh, you oh, know, yeah. research. Yeah, you're, I know that. You're that's... absolutely right there. Um, I, as as this, as entirely separate from electronic voice phenomena, right. uh, actual sounds that people hear, footsteps, mm-hmm. singing, um, and other acoustic effects, if they can hear it and a number of people can hear it, then it should be recordable um, by, you know, any any good quality recorder. Which means you should be able to, if it's a natural phenomenon, uh, be able to trace the source of it. You would imagine it would be done with, well, you, you would certainly be able to look at look at the... Um, or at least the rule out things. Well, you, you would be able to. Um, yeah. You would be able to, for example, find out whether... Um, 
you know, amplitude, frequency. You could look at the range of frequencies, whether that correlated to a human voice or, you know, a human singing range. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Um, that you know that would be an obvious thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. does it actually fall within the vocal range of your, you know, of a male or female singer? Mm-hmm. Uh, because how we interpret sounds, you know, it, it sounded like a may not actually correlate to the reality of what the sound frequency range is. Yeah. And, and ca- carrying on that same audible stuff, uh, there's another place, and God save me for trying to pronounce these. This comes from Mid Glamorgan. Yeah, you good? Okay, Mid Glamorgan, yeah. Uh, Die Life. D-Y-L-I-F-E, which is probably screwed totally. Um, D-Y, is there a double L? No, just a single, according to this. So it's D-Y-L. I-F-E. I-F-E, the life. The life, and you got me to see if you know that. <laughs> so well, that would be pronounced the life. Okay. So this is, uh, this is, once again, this is a humming noise that can be heard in a glowing figure. So we, we do have a figure associated with both of these. Uh, a humming noise can be heard and a glowing figure can be seen in a derelict mine in 18, 1984. This was uh, recorded. Um, you familiar with it? Not overly, no. Um, but there are a lot of mine ghosts in the UK. Um, Cornwall has the Tommy Knockers. These were supposedly, um, they're more folklore type gnome goblin type creatures that live underground in the mines and wrap Uh on the the mine workings to warn the miners of of impending danger. Um, So they're the Tommy Knockers. And they have similar, um, you know, they're, they're from the Cornish tin mines, and you have, you know, in in other um, mining areas like Derbyshire or uh, Scotland, you have different folklore type phenomena reported by the miners. And miners, you know, it, it's a, a hell of a dangerous job, and it's inevitable that there will be superstitions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's separate from several well-known uh, mine ghosts. Uh, these are predominantly coal mines. Um, we've investigated one. We spent some time with Dr. Kieran O'Keefe and Dr. Simon Sherwood, our team, and others in an underground, well, we have 500 and something feet underground in a coal mine in uh, Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, carrying out an investigation, which incidentally I think was also done on Most Haunted. Um, so people might want to check that one out. The National Coal, uh, the National Mining Museum episode. I don't know what series it was in. Yeah, it's, it's um, there, but, but you know, Wales in particular is one of the key mining areas of the UK. Um, m- much of the mining industry is now gone. Um, all the mines are now closed. Uh, there's a couple of, you know, very small ones still still going. Um, but underground mine ghosts, because the, the sheer number of deaths 
um, you know, in, in that particular industry, there is, I, I live uh, in Pembrokeshire, we have a coal mine, an old coal mine, long since gone, that runs uh, about a half a mile from here. Um, and in the 19th century, it collapsed. The, it, actually, the mine shaft itself ran out beneath the river. Yep. And they got too close to the bottom of the river. And the river broke through into the mine. It came in suddenly and killed a large number of the, the mine, mine workers. And that included, back then, children as young as six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. ten-year-olds. Yeah. Um, you know, and fathers and, you know, several generations, brothers, uh, uncles, uh, you know, there was, there was, it was a horrific way to work and a, an even more horrific way to die. And the hook or, or the land shipping colliery disaster is commemorated on a plaque and a monument and the body, bodies are still down there. They couldn't get them out. They're oh, still, right. you know, the, the bodies of these very young miners. And one of our boys, the youngest, uh, was particularly taken by it because when we, when we went there, uh, and showed him the monuments and the, um, you know, what what took place. Mm-hmm. Most of the children that had died were of his age. They oh, would wow. have been in his class at school, and it sort of made a connection for him. Mm-hmm. And he comes from, and part of the reason for doing that is, Cat's uh, family are all mining stock, and several of them were um, you know, died in underground mining accidents. So um, yeah, this is a con- you know uh, when we went to Big Pit, which is the Welsh National Mining Museum, there is another underground uh, facility that tourists can visit. It's open; you can go down in the mine um, lift elevator and walk through the mining tunnels with some of the ex-miners now acting as tour guides, and they will tell you ghost stories and they will tell you the stories of. The I can't remember what the Welsh equivalent of the Tommy Knocker is, but um, it was rationalised by one of them when we were talking about it as because they always use wooden pit props in Britain, not steel. And the reason for that is that the wood, when it starts to give way, lets out these audible cracks and creaks and groans, and that gives the miners an opportunity to piece a hasty retreat. Whereas steel uh, tends to fracture instantly, suddenly, with no warning at all. And that's why wooden pit props are preferred. Yeah. So here's the account. Uh, in 1984, a man exploring a disused mine shaft said, Die Life, a Die Life, in, oh God, P O W Y S, Powys, Powys, Wales. Uh, when he heard strange humming noises, like uh, someone's voice, he called out but got no response. He then switched off his lamp and he saw a white or pale blue shape about the size of a small. Whoops, gotta turn the page, unfortunately. <laughs> Damn it. My hands stink. A small man. It gave off sort of a glow, but not like a torch. When he switched the light on again, he could see nothing. He quickly left the mine. Talking at the local pub that evening, the man told him that uh, 
other people, other people in the pub told him that they once seen uh, lights emerging from the mine shaft at night and rising slowly into the air and then moving away. So this is uh, a a phenomenon with it. A, a uh, yeah. So it was, but then again, I mean, it's just if you're talking a, you know, a glowing thing that which that could be actually. A natural phenomena as well as as we discussed. Well, you're thinking, well, I mean, mines, miners use miners' lamps, and they have gas mm. testing equipment um, for, for methane, and yeah. um, which miners call fire damp. And when it when methane burns, it burns with a very faint blue glow. Ah. That that. You know, if, if it, in daylight, in ordinary sort of lighting, you wouldn't see the glow of a burning methane flame. Um, it really is a very dim, almost, um, you know, an incandescent type blue mm-hmm. that, that's, that's barely noticeable. Um, I remember up on Merseyside, there was a, an oil refinery and they had a methane uh, flare stack that oh, burnt, yeah. me- burnt off excess methane. Right, and you you could only see it at night, um, and even then you had to you know sort of kind of look at it to discern it properly. Yeah, um, by day it was it was uh, completely invisible. Yeah, I mean we hear I mean some remember some of the UFO sightings or uh, you know swamp gas basically, which is methane too. Uh, yeah, it, it, I mean it, it it sounds like it could be methane, and the the description mm-hmm. of the above ground sightings too. Um, you know, sort of floating out of the ground and then drifting away could yeah. also be, but who knows? It could be a ghost. You know, I I, uh, I had a guy on the show yesterday on the Next Generation show, uh, and um, you know, he he's studying to be a parapsychologist from UNH, uh, and he was telling me he, he also has his own ghost hunting group, of course. <coughs> Excuse me, Steve, and listen to this. Um, he was telling me that the human eye, he, he, because I, I asked him about hunt, ghost hunting at night or investigating at night and why, why, if you know, sightings are seen in daytime, why you investigate at night? Because, you know, you taught me that, which is very valid. And so I, I asked the same question and he said, oh, no, 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 it's much better at night because when you shut all the lights off, your eyes can discern shapes and things greater than you can in the daylight. Uh, I would disagree with that. I would totally dis- I I did in my mind, to, and I didn't what, say anything because I didn't want what, to get an eye. What do I know? I you know I do only have nursing qualifications. Um, yeah. No, I would disagree. In fact, I you know we know that human vision is designed to work in a particular set of wavelengths, and if you remove, for example, um, it's one of the reasons that street lighting is a particular range of colours. Um, but as the natural light sort of, you know, as we reach twilight at the end of the day, not many people actually notice this because the brain does a some clever trickery to kind of fool us. Our vision becomes monochrome or near virtually monochrome and we can't discern colour terribly well. Right. Um, so I would argue that actually we're, we're rubbish at night. Um, you oh. know, we are not we are not creatures of the night. We are not cats. Like these two little sods are doing at the moment. Um, <laughs> running round. He's obviously found her. They're now playing chase around the room. 
But I, I, I you know, I, I, I wanted to say something, but I, I was kind of disagreeing on, on several of the points too. So I, I just didn't want to get it into just a. He says he said he was the guest. <laughs> deal. Uh, so, but I mean, how many times we heard that you know at nighttime the, your eyes play tricks on you, and it, it does because well, our pl- eyes play trick tricks with us by day and by night and know? by night. Yeah, but I, think I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. I think it's it, it's more discernible at night that you know because of light and our eyes want to focus on on the the light and and you know how we can get if you look at something and it looks like it's moving but it's really not moving i know exactly what you mean i, I <laughs> in fact i remember learning that lesson vividly oh, a long time ago standing in the garden watching what i thought was an approaching aircraft um mm-hmm. you know with its headlights on as they as they sort of come towards the airport and this thing, you know, will be here in a minute, it'll be here in a minute. Um, and it didn't seem to ever get any closer, but I stood there, you know, expecting it to get nearer and nearer and nearer. Um, and it was a full 15, 20 minutes before I realised I was staring at Venus. But my uh, but my brain and eyes had convinced me that it was moving against the background. Right. Um, so, yeah, well, we, we, are, we are hopeless at night. Um, it, our vision system... Because it's because it's not designed to work in the dark, our brain tries to make sense of what little information the eyes are, are sending to it, and it's fo- it's often for flawed information. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, normal shapes, and it happens, you know, even to the the hardiest of us, the most, you know, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't get fooled. Uh, just a few years ago, I remember. Um, it was, you know, a late summer's evening, so it was still that that very dim afterglow that you have. And I thought there was somebody sitting in our garden. <laughs> and, you know, my brain had got the head, shoulders, the hunched forward, you know, there's yep. this figure. Um, in a way. Yeah. And, you know, my there was nothing I could do to shake that that impression. We're and coming I, to the break now, Steve. Sorry, I know. Right. I stood. I stood watching it for about three or four minutes, and then I finally got a torch out, flashlight, mm-hmm. and it was the uh, compost bin. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. All right. Anyways, we got to take a break right now. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International right here on Tojinet and wherever you get your podcasts. And we're brought to you by uh, Circles of Wisdom, 286 Merrimack Street, Thune, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. And our very, very good friends who support the show on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. You, too, can become a member for uh, three bucks a month. And, you, you know, you don't have to stay there forever. You can just come and join us for a while. And uh, we appreciate it. But anyways. Cheaper than uh, Starbucks. Yes, cheaper than Starbucks. So. Anyways, uh, Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Check it out. And uh, we'll be back after the following messages.
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978 978- Four five five six six seven eight. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky. The Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parrax family. They're strange, deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. half of the first half of today's two-hour ghost chronicles double edition this is the international episode starring new england's own van helsing and over here and uh the lovely welsh living Mm. gold standard and before we go into part two i just want to just ask people to spare a thought 79 years ago yesterday was june 6 1944 when so many brave allied soldiers, sailors, and airmen invaded and uh, invaded France. And uh, blazed the path to peace. Have we really had peace? <laughs> well, it stopped the Second World War. Yeah. Oh, eventually ended it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, I agree with you though. So many people that we have are uh, so that that's like your Memorial Day over there. Um, we 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 don't have Memorial Day. We have ours in November. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We have yeah we have Veterans Day and there we have uh, Memorial Day on and the thirty first, which turns into a cookout day basically. But yeah, what's the day you when when you all wear poppies? Is that this that's time? Armistice? That's the armistice day. That's oh, the eleventh the okay. hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month, okay. which commemorates really the ending of the first war, okay. the Great War. Yeah, we uh, they have uh, different groups that uh, do collecting, and they'll give you a a poppy, uh, you know, a little paper mache poppy. Yes, yeah. is a thing on those particular days. But so I, I know we want to get an infrasound a little bit, which but I do have. Uh, oh, we've well, got plenty of time. Crack on okay. to the next. Crack, as they say in Wales, crack on, boy. So the, these are two that are kind of uh, kind of. Com- I'm going to combine them together because they're similar. But uh, 
The first one is oh, Diped again, or whatever the heck is. Diped. Yep. Tally Abbey, uh, with which, the so sounds of ghostly chanting. Which, which Abbey? Tally. T-A-L-L-E-Y. Yeah, that's, that's close enough. Uh, Tally Abbey, uh, where uh, chanting uh, can be heard uh, in the 1970s, this was the thing. And then we have Mid Glamour, Glamour Morgan again. And we yeah. have Ken Fig Hill. Ken Fig Hill. Yeah, where recordings were made of voices and music uh, inside an ancient inn in 1982. Are you familiar with either one of those, Steve? Uh, I'm familiar. Well, I, I'm aware of them. I haven't heard the recordings. Um, okay. And they, wherever they are now, I've no idea. I have actually in the past tried to access those recordings or, or locate them, but I've never been successful. Um, is Beatles an album? No, no. There is. Wow. They, they, they seem to, they seem to exist in folklore more than reality now. Um, ah. Whatever, whatever happened to them, and I'll be honest, you know, we've made recordings in the past, and, you know, technology moves on. You can't play them. They get stuck in a box in an attic, and then they get rediscovered in 50 years' time as a lost episode. Mm. Um, so, no, the, they haven't made it onto YouTube or anything, uh, which is, uh, you know, always a good place to uh, find stuff. Yeah. Uh, but there seems to be no record of them. Hmm. So I haven't heard them, but I am aware of them. So 1982 uh, is not that long ago. No, I mean, well, well yeah, in comparison, yeah. still 40 years. Yeah, I know. It's still uh, in comparison wise. It's yeah. weird when you say that, though, isn't it? You know, the yeah, I know it. I was just thinking that almost immediately after I said it. <laughs> you think, Christ, that's nearly half a century ago. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I remember it. Um, I'm getting rid of some stuff that I that <laughs> my house now, and it's like, oh my God, they're antiques already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like. It, 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 you know, it's weird to think when we now talk about the last century, you know, you and I still think about the Victorians. Mm. Um, but of course, you know, there are there are people now, you know, who to them all that happened in you know, 1999, 2000, it's before their time. Yeah. And, and these are adults. You know, we're not talking about children. 21 year olds now would never have experienced you know, the year 2000. Dialed telephones? Can you imagine that? Party lines? Dial-up modems. Oh, my God, <laughs> yes. That was one of my worst predictions. My son had uh, AOL, and he got up there, and I remember him trying to get on that freaking thing, and that thing would go on for... I'm yeah. not lying. Hours at times trying to get on to the stupid thing, and uh, again, I said, this thing's never going to take off. Eh, I was wrong. I had a friend. I had a friend whose uh, parents' budgerigar, or which I think in America is a parakeet, mm -hmm. um, could mimic the. Um, you know, oh, the, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it could do it really well as well. As well. Yeah, I still have my thousand hours free of uh, AOL <laughs> here in in my desk drawer, so I'm, I'm waiting to use that sometime. And uh, remember that every every computer magazine or games magazine or every time you went to the mailbox, there would be a disc from yeah. AOL yeah. with um, you know twenty thousand free hours. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. Uh, yeah, they've all gone now as well. 
I still have them. Anyway, so. 1982, relatively, yeah. you know, recently. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the what the recordings? So you, you heard of them before? Do you know who I made them or anything? No, uh, I I know that the well, I I I know what basically not much more than what you said that a group had gone and made some recordings, but who, why, and what the reasons for the recordings were are, are cloudy, um, and the recordings themselves are completely disappeared. That's. I mean, it could just be a story. You know, it could be that somebody said, oh, we made some recordings. And, uh, that's you know, true. You know, a lot of these gazetteers, and I'm sure um, now he's back in the UK somewhere. I think he arrived yesterday. Dylan Woods. He's, he is, you know, with the Great British Ghost Tour and now the Great American Ghost Tour. He is much more sort of in tune with all of these stories, these, these gazetteers. But one thing that is absolutely clear if you start reading them is that you see the same story repeated in every single one mm. um and it's it's kind of like you know oh, i'm going to write a book about all the ghosts in wales and you just pull a book off the shelf and just cut, cut and paste the names don't even do that in some cases you know it's just a case of cut and paste and rearrange them slightly put a new cover on it and knock it out in the gift shops yeah, but the interesting thing is, like, you know, the certain certain uh, things like the Hitchhiker Ghost, you could take that one story oh, yeah. if you, you wrote it and then just copy it over and put it in Wales and change the name. And, uh, you, and know, you, the you name. see, you see exactly that. You see the Hitchhiker Ghost, you see the Phantom Black. Um, well, it's like on the Norfolk side, uh, which is the, the English East Coast, you have the black shucks, the black dogs with the flaming red yeah. eyes. Now, yes. over here in Wales, you have exactly the same stories, mm-hmm. except that the dogs have turned into black uh, bullocks or calves. Hmm. But the story's the same. Yeah. These devil cows. The, yeah, I know. It's it, The interesting thing about it is because I agree, you know, you, your your folklore gets uh, legends get passed down from person to person if they moved and you know they go with them and so forth but then you have the aspect of, well if this for instance i'll use the black dog if the black dog is seen in uh wales and the black dog is seen in in england and the black dog is seen in scotland and, and it, maybe there's something that the black dog actually exists no, the maybe that's, and that's the hard part about it you know yeah uh, and when people describe the the welsh version which is a calf or a bullock they normally mm. describe it as being the size of a large dog mm. so you know there are some elements of you know they are very similar they have glowing red eyes they have you know they're black massive there's no color to them they're about the same size you could be dealing with the same creature um, and we now know in the UK, and it, it's widely accepted now. In fact, it is universally accepted by biologists and, envir- and naturalists that we have a population of large black cats living here. Oh, pumas? Pumas, mountain lions, yeah. Um, oh, well. Leopards. The, that, that size. Yeah, yeah. yeah panthers. Um, and that we now have a, nat- a small but native population of them in the UK. Hmm. So, 
you know, if that population isn't, you know, people assume it's pets that were released or escaped. But if that population has always been there and has always been native, then you think a black cat is not dissimilar to a black dog. Um, uh, you could actually just be dealing with rare sightings of a native, you know, a rare native species, a very shy, stealthy native species. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. And could be. A lot of these things. And uh, well, I mean, you know, it sounds it sounds almost disingenuous, doesn't it? Because we're dismissing everything, you know, as well. We're not really. And, we're just we're just discussing alternative. Well, there is also, you know, there is a possibility that we do have to consider that these things are genuine paranormal phenomena. Right. That, exactly. You know, these Which are is what I kind of brought out that if you've seen it here and there, then maybe there yeah. is something to it, whether yeah. it's natural or not, is another situation. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go to the singing monks of Tally. Tally Abbey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now that that reminds me of a phenomenon that we have experienced on a number of occasions, where people have reported, you know, whilst we've been on an investigation, people have reported hearing distant singing, or or um, you know, song music. Yeah. Um, and we we've on a number of occasions we've had recording equipment running, and when we've looked at the recordings we've been able to discern the causes and the causes are usually mundane. They've always been mundane. Right. And it's things and it's phenomena like uh, the wind blowing across um, pipework or, you know, ventilators. And it causes these musical tones rather like blowing across the top of a milk bottle mm. um, or, a, you know, or a whistle. And because it, has a musicality to it, a musical tone to it. People's brain starts to hang on. What's that? I'm hearing music. I'm hearing voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and the brain, you know, I know what I saw, which we dismissed earlier. I know what I heard. We are entirely, at all times, a victim of our of our own brain and imagination. Exactly. You know, I I have to tell you a funny story. We, you know, we used to do the haunted ghost tours at uh, Portsmouth Tower Lighthouse, um, and uh, there was one night we were doing, and it was it was kind of a blustery night. We were by the flagpoles telling the uh-huh. story, uh, and uh, by right in front of the thing, and you know, big crowd in there. And then I said, "Yeah, we saw the ghostly appearance," and right, oh, somebody saw a ghost appearance right by that fort. And then just at that, we heard this. <laughs> and it was the wind going through just the right way through the the the, the yeah. flag stuff, and it, it was so yeah. funny. It was so, just on key. I mean, everybody laughed because we we, we, yeah. we knew what it was, but it was cute. You you problem, hear it down at the, the, our local marina when the wind blows. Yeah. You get all of the wiring on the yachts, and it it does have this sort of musicality to it, this musical tone to it, this or this weird sort of I don't know crying you know, tone to it. Yeah. Very and, peculiar. You know, the, anytime, by the way, anytime you're, you're on the shore, whether it's uh, the ocean or, or even lakes, uh, sound carries so. Oh, it does. It does. It, I mean, we, you know, we were down at the, you, you may have seen the pictures I posted. We were down at the riverside, which is about a couple hundred yards from here. Um, and the river at that point is a little over half a mile. 
And on the opposite side, there was a group of um, teenagers in kayak in a kayak, and they were they weren't shouting, they weren't yelling, they were talking fairly normally. But it was a flat, calm, still evening, and we could hear quite clearly everything they said from a half mile away. I know, isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's you know, it's uh, sound does uh, carry a long distance over over water sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like we did another investigation at uh, Rose Island Lighthouse and supposedly one of the stories is that when you uh, go up in the tower, you can hear a baby crying. So we went up there, we, we did record it and, and sure enough, it sounded like a baby. But of course, we could figure it out was it was actually seagulls, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and you know, it's surprising as well how many um, critters at night. You know, um, oh God, yes. I, I I remember. You know, we were up at Chingle Hall, and there was supposedly um, this, this wailing, ghostly sound that was heard, and we we heard it, and we recorded it, and with the recording, we were able to very quickly ascertain that what we were dealing with was the was a fox calling yep. for its calling for its uh, mate. See, that's the problem with a lot of investigations of. Groups is they want to go out. They're looking for a ghost, and so whatever they find is going to be ghostly. I know, I know. That's the problem. They they don't look. They you know they. Is there anybody there? Oh, oh, oh. oh thank you, spirit. Can you do it again? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so anyways, I've noticed uh, some kind of weird pictures on your your uh, social yeah. media page. These sewage tubes on a, on a rack. <laughs> what the hell is that? Well, they, that, they go back a yeah, they go back a long time. That was the very first public experiment, public performance experiment with the first generation infrasound generators that were built uh, for that performance. And in order to get the low frequencies back in the day, uh, we had to, I had to design and build these two enormous. Um, they were, in fact as you absolutely rightly said, sewer pipes. Um, but inside of the sewer pipes, there was also several 12-inch um, speakers, and they were aligned such that you would drive the sound wave down the tube, and the oh, tube yeah. would then act like a giant organ pipe, and we could reach these low frequencies. Oh, Fortunately, time and technology, um, the frequencies have stayed the same, but the, the, the technology that we now use to do this has moved on, um, thank God, because <laughs> I had to live with those in our in our front room, which was oh my gosh, which was four inches longer than the tubes <laughs> for for seven months. Oh no, um, that must, that must it, have went well went over well with the family. It it actually they had their uses because. Um, I mean, they did take up all all the, but they were a very convenient place for the first Mrs. P um, to store the laundry before it was put away. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you're also uh, doing some shooting. Yeah, I, I don't know if you I, can or cannot talk about it. I, but... can, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, the reason for the the tubes being up was a sort of uh, nod to the fact that tomorrow morning I'm off um, 
to shoot a documentary where my my role in the documentary, the documentary is exploring infrasound and its effects on people um, mm-hmm. related to the paranormal, but also just the effects of infrasound on people. Infrasound is just sound that is too low that so we can't ordinarily hear it, but it can have some very peculiar and interesting effects that mimic reported paranormal experiences. Mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're going to be exploring in the documentary. So I'm right. setting up tomorrow and we're going to be shooting it um, over the next couple of days and then I'll be back at the weekend and uh, back to normal. So uh, once it's done, the unwritten non-disclosure agreement will be null and void. I'll be able to talk more about it. And of okay. course, yeah, the, pro- no problem. the program is scheduled to air in the autumn. So, as we as we get nearer the time, we'll be able to prime people, and uh, so watch out for a few more um, photographs appearing on the social. A few media. more uh, little temptations, a little. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. the building that we're using uh, is extraordinarily interesting because it is we're we're, we're filming the whole thing at uh, a former United States Air Force base in Europe. Oh. Wow. Um, and it was the base from where Operation El Dorado Canyon was launched, which was the U.S. bombing raid on Libya, mm-hmm. uh, the first attack on Colonel Gaddafi in Libya. If you remember the repi- reprisal raids, was it under yep. Reagan? Yeah, um, no, was, uh, wasn't that for Lockerbie? Oh, yeah, was it was the reprisal for Lockerbie. Yeah. Um, so it was Operation El Dorado Canyon. And we're going to be actually yeah, using... France wouldn't let us fly over their territory. That's right. And we're going to be using some of the actual hangars that were used for Operation El Dorado Canyon. Oh, wow. Um, that is pretty cool. The base, parts Big of the pictures. base. There is a heritage center. I don't know whether we're, we're using, uh, we'll have access to that. But on site, there's a, a small sort of museum and remembrance to the 20th Tactical Fighter Wing and their F-111 swing wing bombers. So, you know, my love of aeroplanes. So I'm going to be a infrasound ghosts and aeroplanes all in one place. Are you going to love it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to be you know, in my element. So, um, yeah, that's what I'll be doing for the next two days. But it is a bit of a hike. It's about five, about five hours each way. So, mm-hmm. I, I had a laugh because uh, I had someone on the Next Generation show who was involved in, uh, in an organization that was featured in Life After Death uh, documentary on Netflix. And I had a laugh because at that time, if you remember, Steve, you were coming over here and I, I had like two dozen emails from the producer of that show where they were going to come over here. And, and I remember. Yeah, but the schedule didn't work out. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. We I got said, close, oh, yeah. though. We got close. Oh, we came so close. <laughs> Weren't they in New York and uh, we were in Boston? And uh... yeah, it was it was close, but they also had uh, scheduling because they were shooting in uh, Europe yeah. as well, and yeah. so they had to fly over. Oh yeah, it was it was. In fact, didn't it, didn't it end up they came to Europe as I got to America? That was it. Yep, they ended up. I, I think it was in Belgium or somewhere on the continent. Yeah. Uh, I think we crossed Mid Atlantic, but we yeah. came so close there. Yep, there was like I, it was I, like half, but, but two this, dozen. This... Uh, yeah, Emails I mean, this year it's um, it's got pre-pandemic, of course. You know, yeah. it was busy, oh, yeah. uh, but the documentary side of paranormal uh, media 
mm-hmm. has been very, very still and very quiet for a lot of years. I mean, if you remember the heyday of Discovery Channel and National Geographic, yeah. um, when they did sensible documentary programs instead of just sensationalist rubbish, you know, oh, with groups so of people, I know it's pathetic. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember filming for the Travel Channel looking at the ghosts of Warwick Castle when it was it was kind of the travel channel because they were the ghosts were part of a travelogue in, to entice american tourists to you know look at these splendid come over and visitors and look at these you know it was all about travel where to stay and what to see when you got here and the ghosts were often included but you look at the travel channel now you might as well call it the zach bagans channel um yeah, yeah. you know National Geographic, uh, Discovery, they don't do documentaries anymore. And they haven't. But this year, um, they seem to be on the on the up again. So maybe there's a bit of a turnaround. Maybe, you know, maybe the ghost hunters have moved over to look at UFOs, sorry, UAPs. Uh, particularly now there's been that disclosure, that mm. whistleblower. Um, to say that, yeah, we've 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 captured them and we've got them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, oh, wait and see. Might all change. Well, but well. it is it is looking like you know, a very different year. Um, mm. You know, the number of inquiries are increasing this year, and the number of projects, media projects that I'm involved with, have gone up as well. Now oh, that's excellent. Uh, one of the the things that I I also uh, happen to uh, hear about lately was uh, a scientific study where, where they were able to actually uh, study the brainwave, uh, brainwaves of uh, people who were dying. And they found out that the brain was still active after the body had died. And they always yeah, had thought, so. yeah, they had always thought that the, uh, you know, that they, they died together basically. So they're saying that's a possibility of some of the near-death experiences, but uh, well, it makes it, sense. I mean, you know, it, interesting. It always, it always struck me as a bit illogical that the whole body dies all at once. Mm. Um, you know, because clearly cell, cells can, you know, they can last in. You know, you cu- you cut off somebody's arm or leg, and then you can wrap it in ice, carry it, you know, yeah, for a few hours, and stitch it back on. It all. Always, you know, after a while, it heals. Don't, and all doesn't well. the hair and hair and nails grow after death? No, oh, no, that, no. That, that's a no. It's because that's because the body shrinks. shrinks. The body shrinks. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, right. I remember that now. Yeah. Um, as soon as I said it, I remembered it. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it used to be a bit of a mythology that you know the yeah. hair and nails continue. Um, but you know, it, it always struck me as being somewhat silly the idea that you know when the heart stops, everything else stops, and that's it. You're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so these new studies that are looking at uh, brain activity post ordinary physical death. Oh my God, we're coming up to the break. I mean, not the break, the end of the show. But yeah. So, anyways, I'm going in for my operation on uh, Friday. Wow. Uh, and try to so, try uh, have the operation this time. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> so, so a- as I promised i i will if i can i will try to contact uh leslie mun uh while i'm under so i that was a little experiment i'm gonna do so uh we'll see if that happens but uh the interesting thing afterwards uh i'm gonna have this three thousand dollar 
piece of equipment that I have to sit in. And, uh, well, I don't know. They attach to me. I don't know what the hell they got to do. And it, it'll shoot electrical crap into my body. And uh, it's mostly to grow bones. To uh, uh-huh. Yeah, kind of, kind of weird stuff. So I'll let you know what happens to that. What if I'll have uh, any near-death experiences or anything? So, so you, you, your, plan, your plan is to, whilst under anesthetic, contact Leslie? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That, I like that idea. Um, should I be worried if you suddenly appear in front of me? <laughs> only, <laughs> only if you want a silent partner. Because <laughs> <laughs> it could be like, oh, it's gone a bit wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have to go. We're just about out of time. Yeah. Anyways, well, I'll be, uh, thinking, I'll be thinking about you whilst I'm making uh, yeah, um, sure you will. <laughs> a racket that nobody can hear. Actually, you could, you know, God, are you there? <laughs> yeah, anyway, the all right, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Steve Foster and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet and wherever else you get your pod, pod, podcast. And we're brought to you by our good friends of Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon who help support this show. And you too can become a member. Go to Ghost Chronicle, Ghost Chronicle Radio on Patreon. So till next time, good night. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.